You're listening to the Auxiliary Gate Podcast, a weekly discussion about Kentucky horse racing and handicapping. And now here are your hosts, C.C. Broadus, Alan Schneider, and Brandon Jaggers. All right, welcome back. This is episode 14 of the Auxiliary Gate podcast, and I'm joined, as always, by my pals, Mr. Alan Schneider. How you doing, folks? And Mr. Brandon Jaggers. Is Derby here yet or what? We're getting there. It's very, very close. So this is going to be a special edition of our uh, Auxiliary Gate podcast. We're going to be joined by uh, what I would say is a major player in the Kentucky Derby, and as we found out yesterday, the Kentucky Oaks. Mr. Brian Hernandez Jr. is going to join us, guys. Uh, so excited. The man is sitting on one heck of a potential weekend. Uh, Daily Double with Swiss Skydiver and, of course, our collectors. We are honored to have Mr. Hernandez join us. Certainly honored and just can't wait to listen to him and hear what he's got to say. Uh, these next couple of weeks are going to be very important for everybody. That is true. Uh, if you hadn't heard already, uh, Brian has been named the rider in the Kentucky Oaks on Swiss Skydiver. Uh, trainer Kim McPeak announced that yesterday. And speaking of Swiss Skydiver, she romped in the Alabama stakes at a mile and a quarter and answered every single distance question. There's no doubt about it. Guys, you all watched that race. Uh, what were your thoughts on, on Swiss Skydiver's major league win? Major League's a good way to put it. I tell you what, I'm getting irritated. Each week I think I've got this uh, Derby Oaks trail figured out, and another spectacular performance comes up, and a Swiss Skydiver just added to the list. Her ears were pricked the whole way. She never at any point looked like a loser and just finished down the lane and just dusted that field at a mile and a quarter, which is a big test for any filly. But uh, you've got to have the utmost confidence in this horse going into the uh, – Kentucky Oaks now back up to mile and eight. The uh, Kameen and Speech better watch out for that one because that was that was about as uh, impressive as a I've seen a Philly uh, perform this year. Yeah, especially at Saratoga. I mean, the Graveyard of Champions, that dirt. There always seems to seem like a big horse that just doesn't put it all out there. But I mean, that horse put it out there, but it looked effortless though. I mean, it really yeah. looked like a great hand ride, easy. Uh, you know, asked a little bit and just, man, responded like a ton. And, and I think maybe pulled up the last 100 yards or so. Very tis the law-esque looking, wasn't it? <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Uh, so the Kentucky Derby is going to be the marquee race over the weekend. But, you know, the Oaks is going to come up really intriguing. Brian is going to be in, in the unenviable task of – Riding a filly that she, he's going to have to make a decision early. I mean, the other super filly is going to go straight to the lead, I'm sure. But if Brian stalks her or, or, or tries to lap on top of her early, he risks running both of them in the ground. I mean, that would that would set up for a filly like Speech, who I really like in the race as well. Yeah. But if if he lets Gamine go, he runs the risk of letting her get away. And, you know, he, he he's going to be on the spot early in this race guys yeah he uh i trust kenny and brian to make the decision uh, they're both excellent horsemen uh it's 
it's a bit of a conundrum, but it's an enviable conundrum to be in. Uh, I'll uh, sit back and be interested to see what Brian does, but uh, my God, it's such a heck of a race. Uh, I feel bad for the other, the horse is not named Gamine Swiss Skydiver and speech in this one. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's going to be a heck of a race. It's, it's going to be every bit as intriguing as a derby, if not more so from a from a horse pl- uh, horse fan standpoint. Yeah, I, I can't wait to be on the backside that that derby week. I'm going to try to get interviews back there for the pod and for the group and hopefully some good insight to kind of I'd love to narrow down to two. But I mean, all three are, that we've talked about are, are my, I'm fan favorite so far. Yeah, I, I like Bonnie South a little more than some other people do. I think they can get into the super effect, uh if these guys pay too much attention. I don't think the horse can win, but uh, so I'm, I'm gonna put him up in an asterisk. But the top three are, are definitely uh, tough to beat. Well, we definitely have something to look forward to here in, in about in about three weeks. Yeah, yeah, about three weeks. Our next guest is a special one indeed. He is a former Eclipse Award winner for Outstanding Apprentice Rider in 2004. He won the Breeders' Cup Classic and the Whitney Handicap aboard Fort Larned in 2012. And on December 19, 2019, he rode his 2,000th winner at Fairgrounds Racecourse in New Orleans. He's one of the top jockeys on the Kentucky circuit and has been so for many years. This summer, he rode a horse named Art Collector to victory in the Toyota Bluegrass Stakes at Keeneland. And two weekends ago, rode the same horse to a resounding victory in the Ellis Park Derby. That horse, Art Collector, will likely be the second choice in this year's renewal of the Kentucky Derby. In addition, over the weekend, this gentleman was also named to ride the top three-year-old filly, Swiss Skydiver, in this year's Kentucky Oaks. We're proud to have him join us on the Auxiliary Gate podcast, Mr. Brian Hernandez, Jr. Hello, Brian. Hey, guys. How's it going? Hey, great, man. We appreciate you doing this. We're big fans. Big fans. Yeah. No, no, no. Thanks for having, thanks for having me on. Sure. Absolutely. Hey, uh, Brian, I want to start off with the uh, uh, the talk of you riding Swiss Skydiver in the Oaks. Uh I think this was announced on Sunday. Uh, when did you know you were going to get the mount on the horse? And, and, you know, how did that go down? Yeah, we've, uh, we've been working. I've been working her every, every work since her, uh, her race in the fantasy. I worked her and all her works going up to the bluegrass and, and her works going into the Santa Anita Oaks. And I was actually supposed to go ride her over in the Santa Anita Oaks. And then at the last minute, Kenny got a little worried about all the protocols and stuff like that being at Santa Anita. So he always told us all along that we were going to get her back, get her back. And um, even after the bluegrass, I, I worked her a few more times going into the uh, to the Alabama when he decided to run her there. So he uh, he gave us a call about three weeks ago, I guess it was. Right before he decided to go into Alabama, he said that uh, we were going to ride her back in the Oaks. And, and then he decided to go back into Alabama. And, and then right after Alabama, he, he honored the call. And uh, it looks like we're going to ride her back in the Oaks. So. That's kind of how that all went about. Now, just looking at uh, at the race, you've got a, a really fast filly named Gamine, who's going to be on the engine early. Uh, but you've got a really nice filly named Speech that's going to come from out of it. Your filly can probably stalk. But at, at what point, you've got three weeks to figure this out. At what point will you start really working on the X's and O's of what you're going to do in this race? We'll sit down. I'll sit down with uh with Kenny here in the next couple of weeks, and we'll just talk out talk about different scenarios. But we'll really get a really good game plan once the draw comes out and, and we know where we drew, and then just kind of we'll just go out there and, and let our filly do her thing and and see what she can do. But like I said, her race in the fantasy that was really impressive because uh Venetian Harbor was supposed to be the next coming, and and we just kind of tracked off for her the whole way and. We're, 
when we were able to outrun her, it, it just went to show you what a good filly she is. Were you expecting that type of effort out of Swiss Skydiver in the fantasy? That that blew my mind the way she she you know she ran down uh, Venetian Harbor that day. Yeah, you know I uh, I had ridden her in the fairgrounds race right before her Gulfstream race, and uh, it was her first race off the layoff, and she 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 traveled to the quarter pole in, in hand and really really good, and, and then she just kind of just needed the race more than anything. So then when she went and she she won the race at Gulfstream like she did right before going out to ride her in the fantasy. I, I, uh, I watched all her replays and in watching the Gulfstream race, I, I kind of figured that if I kind of kept an eye on Venetian Harbor, she'd run that kind of race, but then she, she showed it, you know, she, uh, she was there for us the whole day and the whole way around there. And she, uh, she just, she was the best horse that day, I guess is the best way to put it. Well, she's a great filly, and I think you fit her like a glove. I can't wait to see what you can do with her on Oaks Day. Uh, kind of want to dig into your past a little bit. Uh, you know, it's obvious racing is in your blood, as your father was an accomplished rider, uh, uh, Brian Sr., and you've got a brother and a sister that are also accomplished riders. Uh, at, uh, at what age did you know that you were destined to become a jockey? Uh, we always kind of grew up with it. You know, growing up, in southwest louisiana with uh with my dad being a jockey and we grew up on a little farm so we always had horses out in the backfield so colby my little brother and i we we were always racing up and down the pastures and then when i turned 12 i guess it was i started galloping horses for uh for dale langell and um galloping horses and then riding a few riding a few races on the bush tracks and then from then on it was just always I just had, I always wanted to be a jockey and, you know, I had a, my, the biggest thing was my, my mother always said that I had to finish high school. So I had to get through high school and which I did. And that was kind of always the goal was just to be a jockey. I hear a lot about the bush tracks in Louisiana. I, I, I've never been to one. What's, what's that like? And what's that, what's the difference between a bush track and, you know, a, a, a racetrack like fairgrounds or, or Evangeline or, or one of those major tracks? A bush track, which you don't see them anymore, but it's a it's an unsynchronized racetrack. So, like for my case, I was uh, I was 11 and 12 years old, and I'm I'm riding races on a bush track weighing 70 pounds, and that, <laughs> that that's what it comes down to. It's kind of all there's no rules really, you know. <laughs> you match up your horse against the next guy and and, and see who's the fastest. And there's no uh, there's no paramutual wagering or anything else like that. It's it's you. You put up your money, I'll put up my money. Let's see who's the fastest horse. So and, it's like uh, match, match racing. Yeah, it's it's match racing, and then you you'll get a couple horses that there'll be three or four horses in a race, but okay, it's all it's one guy saying his horse is faster than the next guy, and they just go ahead and match them all up. I've heard the stories. I've heard the stories about bush racing. <laughs> yeah, and I didn't. I I unfortunately didn't live through the wild days like some of my older riders did, but uh. We, we've lived through a few wild stories. Uh, I'm sure. <laughs> hey, Brian, what riders mentored you while you were growing up? Growing up, you know, growing up in Louisiana, you always you always looked up to the, the Cajun guys, guys like Shane Sellers and Calvin Burrell and those guys, Craig Ferret, And you, uh, you always wanted to be in their shoes someday. So one of the biggest guys that helped me in my career was uh, actually Shane Sellers. He, uh, he, when I was, just starting out at Delta Downs, he he came over and he was riding a few stakes and stuff like that for Asmus and and he set me up with his agent 
which was Fred Amy at the time, he set me up with Freddie here in Kentucky to uh, to make the move from Louisiana once I graduated high school to come here to Kentucky. Is, is there a certain rider that you model your your style after? Would you like maybe somebody like Shane or, or Calvin? No, you try to learn something from all of them. You know, through the years, you you want to learn something from every rider, not just not just the Cajun riders. You know, you want to be like Calvin and save all the save all the ground there at Churchill and and get through up the fence. And then at the same time, you want to be like a guy like Edgar Prado as well. He was always one of my biggest idols too because he he's a guy that when you watch him ride, he never gets in a horse's way, which is a big big thing I, I've always believed. So if you can just stay out of their way like he does, it, it helps a horse a long ways. Absolutely. Uh, in 2004, you earned the Eclipse Award for the Outstanding Apprentice Jockey. So were you surprised to be in the national spotlight that early in your career? Or, or is this something that you possibly had high expectations from the beginning? Uh, when I first started out at Delta Downs, somebody had mentioned it, you know, trying to win an Eclipse Award. And I... Uh, I, at that point, I was just trying to win as many races as possible. But then I came back here to Kentucky, and we had a we did really well in uh, the Churchill meet. And then we had a that fall in October, we had a really really big Keeneland meet where we were second in the standings to Pat Day. So then once we did that, Freddie and I got to talking, and we kind of sat down and, and came up with a game plan on how to win an Eclipse Award, and uh. From there on, we just that was our main focus. Was we just needed to win as many races as possible and just kind of keep moving forward. And at the end of the year, it was it was a little bit of a surprise, but it was kind of a it was it was a an effort, I guess is the best way to put it. That that we had put a lot of a lot a lot of thought and a lot of effort into to going ahead and getting it. Okay, so I got to research in your career. I didn't realize that you had ridden Rachel Alexandra in the first five starts of her career. I, I, was, I, there for a lot, I was there I for a lot of those races and it totally slipped my mind. What, what, what was it like to, to ride that Philly? She was, she was one of a kind. I mean, she's world champion, of course, but she, uh, she tipped her hat from the, the very, very get go. You know, we, she ran first time out going four and a half at Churchill and she got beat. And then the next time she, she won really, really impressively. And we always knew she was a, a a special filly but to go on and do what she did it was uh it's amazing to to relive it and say hey man i got to ride her her first six starts which at the time it was a it was a blessing i guess that they put calvin on her because at the time i don't think i was ready to ride that kind of filly yet i didn't i wasn't i didn't know how to ride that good of a good horse just yet well let's fast forward to 2012 you won a Breeders' Cup Classic on Fort Larned. Can you say how your career changed after that monumental victory? Yeah, after after Fort Larned, it just kind of made everyone else aware that hey, uh, this guy can can ride the big races. He can he steps up in the spotlight, and it made it it made it on myself as well that I uh, I can fit in with those guys. You know, I the pressure doesn't get to us that. With the right kind of horse, we can we can put him in a position and and go on from there. And and that's what Fort Lorna did for our career, for my career. He uh he just moved it up to another level and he made it to where now we're we're getting better horses and people 
people have the confidence in us to uh, to go into these big races and and know that hey, the jock who's been there before, he knows what he's gonna do. He knows how to handle the pre- the pressure and handle the situation. Okay, well let's switch gears to uh, art collector. Uh, Alan, you got any questions for Brian about the big horse? Oh, I, I love Art Collector, Brian. And, I mean, you've got a big weekend ahead of you. I know there's lots of races to, to have beforehand, but you, you've got a big weekend coming up. Uh, Art Collector is a horse I've had my eye on for a long time. And I was just wondering, after the uh, the race at Churchill, the allowance race, the one-turn mile where uh, he came from off the pace and impressed a lot of people, but there's still question marks about him. Uh, could he get two turns in that allowance race at, at Churchill against that really nice little short field? And even I wondered that, even though I thought the horse was good. But I remember when the gate sprung, you just sent him straight to the front. You looked like you were in complete command, completely confident. Did, did you know at that point, unlike maybe the rest of us, that this horse was special and would relish two turns in distance? Yeah. I, to be honest with you, I knew he was a special horse last fall. And, really? Uh, the, first time I, the first time I got on him, I rode him in an allowance race. And... uh. Going around the turn, he was traveling really well, and he got knocked around pretty good, and he stumbled and almost fell down. And it, it was almost like he uh, he, had, he had pulled up bad that day. So I was going to ease him, and then I checked on him and made sure everything was okay. And then from the quarter pole home, he ended up sprinting home, and he ended up fifth that day. So I came back, and Joe Sharp actually trained him at the time. And uh, we talked about it, and Joe and I had discussed it. And we both uh, agreed that what a good horse he was. So then when he came back in the fall, his next race as a two-year-old last year, he just, he blitzed them in the seven-eighths race. And then he got a little time off. And uh, when Tommy got him, I mean, he's just, he just keeps getting better and better. Yeah. Art collector's trainer is Tommy Drury. Now, we know him as horse players, and we, we know the Kentucky circuit real well. But he's not a, he's not a household name across the country yet. Tell us what you know about uh, Mr. Drury and, and maybe describe your relationship with him. We're we're hoping after this art collector deal, he's a household name because he's uh, <laughs> he's well deserving of it. He's a guy that he he enters his horses well, and they anytime you look at one of Drury's horses, they come over well prepared, and he knows what he's doing. So he's just he's one of those down home guys that that he just needs a chance, and now he's getting a chance and. I got to know him through actually a, a really good mutual friend years and years ago with uh, Justin Vitek, which he was a local jockey here in Kentucky. And he, I remember him. He passed away from leukemia. Yeah. So Justin always told me when I first came here to Kentucky, he goes, hey, this Tommy Drury guy, you got to look out for him. He He's good. He knows what he's doing. So now people are starting to see it. And it's uh, it's enlightening for, for Tommy because you see you – see, the job he's done with horse collector but look around he's done that same job with a lot of horses just on a little lesser stage yes he has brian what does the kentucky derby mean to you and and more importantly what would a victory mean i mean the kentucky derby is uh it's it's the race everyone remembers you for you know you can win you can win breeders cup classics and breeders cups and everything else but anytime you've go through an airport or something else like that and you tell somebody you're a jockey the first thing they ask is uh have you ever won the kentucky derby and so if you can say yes that's probably the highest milestone in our sport 
so you've ridden in the derby twice now uh, once on a long shot tom's ready and once on a top contender in mccracken is there anything you can draw from those experiences that might be able to help you on on our collector this year we need a faster horse this year <laughs> <laughs> very true alan do you have anything else you want to add uh, no, I'm 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 a big art collector fan. I'm really pulling for him. I love the way he finishes in these races and stuff. So we, uh, you've got a you got a big one to contend there with Tiz Law and a few others and stuff. Too. I'm sure I'm not telling you anything you don't know. But I have a general question. Uh, just for someone who's like, you know, I'm 50 years old, 200 pounds. I'm never going to be a jockey. You know what it feels like. So you've won lots of races, and. What I've kind of wondered over the years is what's your favorite way to win a race? Is it is it timing it where you nail someone on the wire? Is it rating someone, rating a horse on the lead? What 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 really gets your uh, gets you going when you win one? What's your favorite way to do it? Just when you can. My favorite way is when you can go out there and read a form and figure a way out to make a horse that's probably not the best best horse in a race, and you figure it out to make him win. You know, if you can beat the, if you can figure a way to beat the big favorite, and do it on the terms you thought about it the whole way, that's probably the best way to do it. Sounds like handicapping. Sounds like what we do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a little handicapping, a little, little watching replays, and a little knowing the horses. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Brian, I've just got one more question for you. Like Alan, it's a general question. So, we hear of uh, guys that you know try to hustle mounts in the morning. And they get up real early and they, they, they try to gallop a bunch of horses for trainers. You as an accomplished jockey, do you still do that? Or it, it, do you not have to push for that now? Since you're, since, you know, we, we all know who you are. No, what? no, no. I'm, I'm still very, very big on, uh, I love to get up every morning and go out to Churchill and I like to try to get on as many two-year-olds as possible. You know, I like to get on, all the guys I ride for, I want to try to, I want to try to get on all the two-year-olds in the mornings, just to where we know where we're at with them. Because come this part of the year through the, uh, through the end of Churchill, we're going to be on a lot of two-year-olds. So we want to know which ones that are going to be the better ones and which ones we can, we can count on through the rest of the year. So, yeah, I'm, I'm big on, on trying to get out there in the mornings and trying to get on as many young horses as possible. All right. Well, Brian, we're very, very appreciative that you would join us uh, tonight. And I, I, I think I speak on Alan's behalf too. We're big fans of you. We're starstruck tonight. Uh, we, we're, <laughs> very we're, true. We're, there's no doubt in my mind. I'm going to, we're going to be cheering hard for you uh, come the first weekend of September. And, and Brian, it's, it's, uh, we thank you so much for joining us tonight. No, thanks guys. Thanks for having me on. It was fun. Well, right. I'll tell you what, if you win one of these big ones, we would love to have you back sometime in September. Once the media circus dies down, what do you say? Perfect. You guys will be <laughs> you the got... first on the list. All right. Thanks, man. All right. Have a good evening, Brian. Thank thanks you, again. Uh-huh. Thanks. Bye-bye. All right. Well, we want to thank you for tuning in to the Auxiliary Gate podcast. And we definitely want you guys to tune in going forward. First of all, we'll have our uh, normal podcast for the weekend where we try to pick out some winners at Ellis Park and Saratoga, but also don't forget us on Oaks and Derby week where we're going to have uh, two, at least two special podcasts. Where we're going to try to uh, try to make you some money on Oaks and Derby day. And we definitely want you to join us for our Kentucky Derby seminar as that should be a, a, a lot of fun and hopefully very interesting uh, guys. Anything else you want to add? No, you know, you, you touched on the, the seminar. A lot of people who are horse players and, 
they know what it's like. They, they kind of know what we're talking about here. And so that week of uh, Derby week or uh, Breeders' Cup week, uh, trying to come up with your plays, going through the analysis, it's part of the fun of it. So we do hope people can join in. Hopefully we have a, uh, a little bit of success there, have some interesting takes and stuff. So we do hope people join us that week. But uh, the, racing gets a lot more interesting here coming up in the because after that we have uh, Keeneland, Breeders' Cup, Kentucky Down. So there's a lot to look forward to here coming up. Oh, September is going to be a mess. Just use wait. There's a lot of racing going on in September. Yeah. yeah, we. I hope to deliver a lot of good information, some things that I haven't heard or different perspective on horses that may not have caught my eye too because we're all value players. So I'm going to be listening for that. And then also uh, the top dogs that are running for both Oaks and Derby go to their barns on the backside and see the information. So I hope everybody uh, stays tuned, especially through Derby week and weekend and checks our Facebook page and on Twitter. Uh, even Wednesday night, I'm going to Captain's Quarters uh, to hear a panelist speak about this upcoming Derby and Oaks, as it looks like it's all set with uh, points and everything. There's no more points races. So uh, I'm not even for sure who the panelists are, but Twin Spires is a sponsor at iHeartRadio and 84HAS. So uh, Captain's Quarters, I'll be up there this Wednesday at 6 p.m. Maybe the panelists are, are you and me and Alan. Yeah. I don't think they. I don't think they invited us to it. <laughs> oh, okay, never down, mind. Down the road. All right. Maybe maybe next year. So, yeah, hopefully, hopefully. Okay, uh, that wraps up the show. And like I said, we thank you for listening and 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 tune in later in the week, and and we'll try to dole out some winners for you. So, until next time, remember, gambling money ain't got no home. <laughs>